Good Friday morning, everybody. It is Friday, October 6th, 2017. Once again, it's the wicked awesome Boston Sports Podcast for uh, the end of this week, which has been a busy one in the world of Boston sports and obviously culminates in, well, three games last night. Uh, three, a, a really a pretty cool day in the annals of Boston sports history. You had uh, game one of the ALDS for the Red Sox, which didn't go very well. We're going to talk about it. A 4-3 to three win by the Boston Bruins in their opening game against the Nashville Predators. We're not really going to have much time to talk about that. I promise you later in the season we'll talk plenty about the Bruins. Uh, but know that they got off to a good start last night. Got goals from Charlie McAvoy and Jake DeBrusque. Young guys getting their first career goals, so that was cool to see. Um... They are down. The injury bug has already bit them. Uh, Patrice Bergeron didn't play last night. Brad Marchand went out. Uh, but we will talk plenty of Bruins as we continue with this podcast. We just don't really have time to do it today because the Patriots also played last night. Uh, and if you stayed up real late, you saw them eke out a 19-14 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, if you didn't stay up that late to see it, you just heard the final score. We're going to talk plenty about that game. Uh, but let's start with the game in Houston. Game one of the American League Divisional Series did not go particularly well for the Red Sox, as I'm sure most of you saw. They lose by a final of 8-2. to two. It was all Houston pretty much after the Red Sox got their first run on the board. Um, just another bad start for Chris Sale. I mean, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. It was a bad start. Uh... Sale goes five innings, nine hits, seven runs scored. Guys, that can't happen from your staff ace. And I'm sure Sale would be the first one to tell you, and he said it after the game. He's like, I suck. He said, I suck today. Uh, I was bad today. And, you know, he, he would never put it on anybody besides himself anyway. That's the kind of guy Chris Sale is. But, uh, I mean, let's be very clear. This was a bad start by a good pitcher in a time when the Red Sox didn't need a bad start by their best pitcher. They're not out of the series by any means. Uh, there was a statistic. There was a statistic that was brought up uh, by uh, the the folks. I think I was, the game was on MLB Network yesterday. At least the version I was watching. The statistic was that game one losers uh, or the game one losers uh, only have won. I think like twenty nine percent of uh, of series. Uh, you know, since since the uh, the best of five divisional series format was adopted, so you know if, if you win game one, you essentially win the series seventy one percent of the time, and it would be ridiculous to suggest that the Astros are not the prohibitive favorites now in the series. Now that they've got game one, and the Red Sox best starting pitcher is behind them, uh, but the Red Sox are not out of it. They've got a good starting pitcher going tonight in Drew Pomeranz. Uh, or this afternoon, I should say. The game's at 2.30 in the afternoon. Uh, and it's the same starting pitcher who was very, very good against Houston a week ago in a very pressure-packed situation last Saturday when the Red Sox needed to clinch the division, and Pomeranz led them to do that. Uh, so they're not out of it yet. But let's be very clear. Yesterday did not go well for Chris Sale. Uh, he allowed, I believe, three home runs. It might have been four. Uh Obviously, Jose Altuve led the way uh, with three of three home runs of his own. 
Uh, I mean, you, you watch this guy play, and it's 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 kind of impossible not to not to pull for him. I mean, he's this real short guy. He just gives everything he has, but he's not a scrapper. I mean, he really gets after it. He can really hit the ball. He can hit it a long way, as you saw yesterday. Uh, hit it a long way three times, and uh, it's it's tough not to root for that guy, uh, even if you even if they're playing against him. And obviously, I was rooting against him yesterday, but. Uh, it is difficult not to root for him. And uh, the Astros didn't stop there. They got two other home runs. Bregman got one. Uh, I, I forget who the other one was right now. Uh, but they also got, maybe it was only four home runs. I don't know. It was either four or five. And they got two-run uh, base hits from Marwin Gonzalez. That broke the game open, made it a 5-2 to two score. Uh, and then they got a two-run single, kind of a bloop hit from... Uh, broken bat hit, bat hit off of Joe Kelly by Brian McCann, uh, and that really broke it open to seven to two, and that was pretty much it after that. So, I mean, how do you really break it down? Uh, I mean, it, it, the pitching's got to be better, obviously, uh, especially when, when you're facing a guy like Justin Verlander. And the Red Sox put a couple of runs up against Verlander yesterday. He was good, not amazingly good, but he was good, certainly good enough to win and better than Sale was. Uh, they got a couple runs off the guy, not really the big number that I, like I said yesterday, I, I, I or Wednesday, I guess, I, I really think they need to start getting some big crooked numbers on the board early and force the Astros to get into their bullpen earlier than they did. Um, and that'll be the same, you know, situation when they face Dallas Keuchel today. Uh, you know, they, they didn't get to do that, but I mean, the Red Sox starting pitching just put them in a hole yesterday. I mean, sales start just wasn't good. And... You know, you, you wonder, I'm wondering, quite frankly, if Chris Sale is tired. Uh, he, he's, when he's at his best, he's, he's locating well, he's hitting spots, he's, you know, he's, he's obviously overpowering, can throw the ball really, really hard, but, you know, it's not so much that you lose velocity when you're tired. For some guys, it's that you lose command, and Sale obviously wasn't getting the ball in the right spots yesterday. So, you know, I'm certainly wondering, is this guy tired? Uh, he, he's, he spent the entire season in a pressure-packed situation uh, at the front of a division-winning ball club. He was never in that kind of a spot in Chicago before. They, they were never that good of a team when he was there. Um, you wonder if, if, the, if the mental fatigue, as much as the physical fatigue, is catching up to Chris Sale right now. Um, if the Red Sox can stretch this to a fourth game, there is a chance that you can see him back on three days rest. Uh, if they get it to, if they win the next two games, then I don't think Sale pitches game four. You'll see him pitch game five back in Houston. But uh, I think, you know, it's it's fair to wonder right now if Chris Sale is tired. If, if like I said, if, if the season-long mental fatigue of being at the front of this rotation as well as the physical toll it's taken on his arm, he's, he's really catching up to him. And that was my overriding thought when I was kind of watching him yesterday, uh, that this guy just may be tired. And, and if he's tired and, and, and can't locate, and can't spot his pitches, and can't have the full command that he's used to, it's difficult to see the Red Sox making a real big run in the playoffs here, even if they you know, somehow eke by Houston here. But it's one game. Um, I don't want to... You know, overreact. And, you know, there, there's a million articles that come out after every game in the playoffs uh, about how amazing you know the Houston Astros are. And look, Jose Altuve had a, a tremendous game yesterday. Uh, he deserved the, the curtain call that he got. 
when he homered off Austin Maddox to close out the scoring. You know, he deserves the interviews. He deserves the articles. He had a terrific game, but it's one game. It's game one. The nice thing about the playoffs is you, you, you strike it off the radar. You can come back and do it again the next day. And that's exactly what the Red Sox need to do. They need to get this one out of their system. They've got another good starting pitcher going today in Drew Pomerantz. He's had a good season. He had a huge start for them last week against this exact same team. Uh, I don't think there's any question that the, the Astros are, are, are going to go to school on him. They're going to bring that tape out and, and see what they need to do to have better at-bats against the guy. But uh, but Pomerantz has pitched well for them. He's been pretty steady all season long. And, you know, put your eggs in that basket. I, I feel a lot, you know, it's funny. You, you think about this a year ago. Um, after the Red Sox lost game one against Cleveland last year. And then they had to turn to David Price in game two. And, look, David Price has been good for them this year down the stretch out of the bullpen. No question about it. And it would also be very unfair of me to say that David Price had a bad season last year for the Red Sox. He didn't. He actually had a pretty good one. But I remember thinking to myself, I should feel an awful lot more confident with David Price pitching game two for the Red Sox than I do. And, you know, a lot of that had to do with his past, with his past playoff performance. And, you know, I, I, there, there was almost no confidence among Red Sox Nation that, that, that he was going to come out and throw a good game in game two. And sure enough, he didn't. He got drilled. Uh, Cleveland went up two to nothing. The third game was, you know, closer, but the series was kind of over at that point. You feel a lot better with Drew Pomerantz this time around. He's just, he's had a better season. He doesn't have the playoff experience, but he's, you know, he also doesn't have the negative track record that Price does this time. So you just got to kind of see and, you know, wait and see what happens. You know, as, as far as the bats go, I mean, yeah, they, they didn't hit much yesterday. Uh, the, the game was kind of over uh, before it started. I mean, they, they, Verlander was good. He was not outstanding, but he was good. Uh but, you know, it's it's hard to kind of pin this one on the bats. I mean, you, you can't expect – you cannot expect an offense ever to go out and score eight runs in a game one. And I, and I don't even think Houston expected to score eight runs yesterday in game one, even even with the caliber of offense they have facing a guy like Chris Sale, who's going to finish probably second in the Cy Young balloting this year. Uh, for the, from the Red Sox perspective, you, you, you cannot expect to score eight runs in a game. And – if you are expecting or counting on your, your your offense to score that much in the playoffs, you're not going to go very far. Uh, you know, could should that you know is it regrettable that they didn't score more than two? Yes, but you know if 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 they had gotten you know Chris Sale's been he's pitched with two runs all season. He's pitched with three runs all season. I mean, it's he, he doesn't mind having not a, not a ton of run support. So. It's it's kind of hard to, to, to pin this one completely on the offense. Again, they got to get the bats going in game two. If they don't get the bats going in game two, then you can really start getting worried because Houston's bats are already going and aren't already hot. Uh, but this one, I mean, it's it's on the starting pitching. I mean, Sale just didn't give him a good start yesterday. He didn't give him a good start, and you needed a, you know you need a good start out of your ace. I mean, this is why they got Chris Sale. They didn't just get him to, to, to pitch at the front of the rotation in the regular season. They got him to be, to be good in the playoffs, too. And if he's tired, like I said, it's it, it does not bode well for the rest of the playoffs for the Red Sox if Sale is tired. Because then they just they don't have that number one arm anymore uh, if, if he's not locating like he could. So 
This one lays at the, at the feet of the starting pitching. Excuse me for that. This one lays at the feet of the starting pitching. Uh, you, you need a better, yes, obviously you need a better start uh, than what Sale gave you yesterday. And by the way, I don't blame Farrell for sticking with him for that long. You know, some people want to jump on Farrell for not pulling pulling Sale a little earlier. I mean, the guy's thrown a, a ton of pitches all season. And as soon as he got down 5-2, to two, you know, Farrell had to be starting, you know, you, you got to start thinking about game two at that point, too. I mean, you got to start thinking about well, I, I need I, I need this pitching staff to be healthy tomorrow, and I certainly need them to be healthy and rested in, in games three and four. And I know they're going to get an off day uh, tomorrow before they have to, to play game three on Sunday. But you know, you, you, you got to start managing the staff. You, you got to manage the staff early and, and and think about the games down the road too. And if Sale was okay to throw a few more pitches, uh, especially like I said, being down five to two. Uh, you're in a situation where you don't want to use Addison Reed. You don't want to use David Price, certainly. You don't want to use Craig Kimbrell if you can avoid it because you want to save those bullets for a much closer game, for game two when you might be able to close out a win. You want to save those bullets and give them the rest that they need. So I don't blame Farrell for for, for going back to sale if he, had, you know, he, if he felt like he could throw a few more pitches. I mean, I saw some, some commentary was like, well, sale never should have started the sixth inning. And I just don't agree with that. I, I don't blame. I'm, I'm not going to cast down on Farrell for that. If the guy felt okay, he was already down five to two. If you could get one more inning out of him, great. And if you couldn't, and he didn't, obviously the two another two runs scored in that inning. Well, you're you were already down five to two. Now it's seven to two. It's even more reason that you know you don't have to use that bull. You didn't want to use that bullpen earlier. So I, I don't criticize Farrell for that. If you want to, I understand it, but you know you got to think about Game Two and the rest of the series going forward, and I think that's what Farrell was doing. So, look, Game Two today, two thirty, Drew Pomeranz and Dallas Keuchel. You are most likely going to see, if not the same exact Houston lineup, a very similar one. I don't see any real reason to change it if you're AJ Hinch. The team mashed yesterday; they've been mashing all season, and they're playing at home. Uh, it's a big challenge for the Red Sox. I told you coming in it was going to be a big challenge in this series. But, uh, you know, you look for a win in game two. If you can steal one on the road, come back, get home field advantage, and see if you, see if you can get them in Fenway Park and steal another one or two maybe there. So watch game two today, 2.30, and hopefully, hopefully you can skip work and get it done. Now, with that one in the bag, we will turn to, I suppose, better news well, undoubtedly better news. We'll turn to the Patriots. And there's a lot you can say about this game. Again, 19-14 victory over the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you did not see the end of it, this is basically how the game went. The Patriots were up 16-7 to late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Tampa Bay drove and scored a touchdown. We'll get into that a little bit later in a second. Making it 16-14. to They tried an onside kick right before the two-minute warning, with the, which the Patriots uh, recovered, and Nate Abner made a, actually a really good play on that ball uh, to, to recover the kick. Uh, the Patriots went three and out, but they were close enough to try a field goal. Steven Guskowski nails it from 48, uh, which uh, puts him up 19-14, to 14, gives Tampa Bay the ball back with about a minute 10 seconds left, 
and they do go on a drive with a minute and 10 seconds. They get the ball all the way to the Patriots 20 yard line with time for one last play and uh, Winston throws the ball for the end zone and it's broken up. Jonathan Jones broke it up. Fell incomplete, game was over, Patriots win. Um, there is so much from this game that you can think about, both positive and negative. Um, but to tell you the truth, you know, there's a lot of gloom and doom going around on Twitter about this game. About the, you know, the Patriots just aren't the same. They're not mentally tough, and they're undisciplined, and they make stupid errors. That may all be true, at least right now. And we'll, like I said, we're going to get into that. But I'm taking the glass half full on this. I'm taking the glass half full, and here's why. Number one, you were playing on a short week, right? You had, it was a it was a tough spot, quite frankly, for the Patriots coming off a bad loss at home against Carolina. Now you got to go on the road and play a team that's I would perceive as better than Carolina in Tampa Bay, and you've got to play them in Tampa Bay on a short week. That is not an easy task, and you've also got to do it, by the way, in Florida where it's humid, where it had just rained. It's it's weather conditions that you're not very used to. If you're the Patriot, if you're the Patriots, you know, playing up in Foxborough where it's nice and crisp in the in the fall, that's a tough spot. And I don't think people realize, you know, it's not just a Thursday game. It's the environment. It's the road. It's the flight. It, it, it's it, it's a tough spot for a team to go on the road, especially after a loss like they had, and and dig deep and get a win. And they were able to do that. So. Glass half full, like I said, getting a win on a short week on the road coming off a loss, I'll take a positive out of that. They could have very easily lost that game last night, and they didn't. They won it. Now, did Tampa Bay have a lot to do with that? They sure did. They sure did. But the Patriots won the game. And in this league, in the NFL, you're only as good as your record says you are. You know, Pythagorean expectation and win probability and all all else be damned. They're three and two. It's way better to be three and two than it is to be two and three. Now they've got a long week before they play their first divisional game against the Jets. Uh, I'll take the positive in that. They won the game on a short week. That's number one. Number two is that the defense played much better. Much better. And again, did Tampa Bay have something to do with that? They did. They did. Jameis Winston was not great last night. He was erratic, made a ton of bad throws, missed a couple wide-open receivers, overthrew a sure touchdown on one uh, to Deshaun Jackson. But, you know, look, by and large, the Patriots' defense was much more competitive last night. Much more competitive. They didn't get much of a pass rush, but that also wasn't really the game plan. The game plan was to sit back and make Winston beat him. You know, play man-to-man -man on the outside. Otherwise, the linebackers would drop underneath. The safeties would help. Uh, Patrick Chung would come down and take the tight end when they had two tight ends in the game. Uh, so the pass rush wasn't they, – they weren't really counting on it yesterday. It didn't do much. But the defense as a whole was much more disciplined, much more in communication with each other, uh, just an overall better effort on the defensive side. That's number two. Number three, I thought both coaches coached a really good game, again, coming on a short week. You know, both game plans were pretty sound. They were not executed perfectly, which I'll get to. Uh, but both game plans were pretty sound. I thought Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels did a really nice job on a short week for their team. 
So I'm taking those three positives from yesterday. You know, you got to win on a short week in a tough environment. Your defense played better. Stephon Gilmore and Patrick Chung had their best games of the season for the Patriots yesterday. I don't, I don't see how that's really deniable. <clears throat> so that was nice to see. Malcolm Butler played a good game, too. Uh, and the coaches were good. The, the, the coaching decisions, I thought, for the vast majority of the year were, were suspects. Uh, they, 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 they really left a lot to be desired in the game plans. But yesterday they came up with a good one. And it must have taken a lot of work on a short week. I give the coaching staff a lot of credit for yesterday. They came up with a good plan. It was not always executed perfectly. There were some calls in there that I really questioned. But... Uh, I think the game plan, the game plans overall, were pretty solid for the Patriots. So kudos to that. You cannot take all positive from this game. There is no question about it. Let's get the easy one out of the way first, and that's that the Patriots were penalized 12 times last night for more than 100 yards, including three of the most boneheaded penalties I've ever seen the Patriots take. Quite frankly, one from a guy. Brandon Bolden, who should know an awful lot better. Bolden was penalized twice on special teams. The one was for a block in the back. That's forgivable. But the second was for an was was just being offside. He just jumped, you know, clear offside uh, on a punt on a fourth and two punt from within Patriots territory. Just came across the line un, unabated. I, I don't know what what it was about the snap count that fooled the guy, but. You know, there's just there's no excuse for that because it looked like it didn't look like the Patriots were even coming after the kick. It looked like they were trying to set up a return. Uh, so there's no excuse for that, especially for a guy like Brandon Bolden, who's been around this team for a long time and has been a good special teams player for this team for a long time. No excuse for it. Um, and two penalties last night. Not a good game for Brandon Bolden in the least. The other two came at the end of the first half. I'm sure you saw them. Back to back roughing the passer penalties. And neither one of them was particularly close on Dietrich Weiss and Cassius Marsh. Both with time winding down and gave Tampa Bay a shot at a field goal at the end of the half, uh, which would have been kind of a, a, not just kind of a letdown, would have been a huge letdown. Uh, just, I, I don't know what you say about this. I mean, both of these hits came well after Winston threw the football, well after it. I mean, you can't even say, well, the guy was trying to make a play. No. I mean, these, these, these penalties are just dumb. They're dumb. And, you know, again, it, it allowed it allowed Tampa Bay the chance to put three points on the board. Thankfully, they missed the field goal. But, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's just, it's, it's dumb. It's bad football. And, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with the chorus of those who say, you know, this stuff doesn't happen under a Bill Belichick team. What's going on with the coaching staff? They can't get them. They, you know, why, why can't they get these guys to understand that? Why can't these get they get these guys to be disciplined? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's fair to put that on the coaching staff, but you know, I don't care what level of football you're in. And Cassid, you know, Cassius Marsh is not experienced. He was, in, I think, he was on Seattle's practice squad last year or something. Uh, Dietrich Weiss is a rookie. I, I don't care what level of football you play. No amount of coaching should be necessary to tell you that you don't hit the quarterback after he has thrown the football. I mean, I, I can't really put that on the coaches. Like, no amount of coaching says you don't cross the line until the freaking ball is snapped on a punt. 
I mean, I, you know, I can't totally put that on the coaches. I mean, players have to play. They have to know the rules, too. I mean, it, and it doesn't take coaching to make players understand that, I mean, that, that, that this stuff is against the rules. I mean, my, my three-year-old son would probably know that you can't hit the quarterback after he's thrown the ball if I taught him. If I just told him that one time. You know, it, it's just, it's stupid, it's dumb, it's just ridiculous. I mean, can you fault the coaches with not picking up guys who are mentally there? I mean, mental toughness is one thing. It doesn't take mental toughness to understand that. You know, it doesn't take mental toughness to understand that you can't hit a quarterback after he's thrown the ball. Or that you don't come across the line on a punt until the ball is snapped. It doesn't take mental toughness to figure that out. But that's the low-hanging fruit. I mean, that's that's the obvious negative from the game. I'm not going to do that to death. I mean, everybody kind of understands that. I The big negative for me last night was the Patriots' offensive line. They were okay at times in the run game. Okay at times. But if you look at the stats, the, the I guess you could call them the pressure stats on Brady, I mean, they were off the charts again. I mean, this offensive line cannot protect their quarterback. They just can't do it. They haven't done it all season. I mean, Brady's been under under pressure pretty much all season. I mean, if you heard Tony Romo last night, he thinks Nate Solder's playing hurt too. I, I, I He must be because he's not playing well. But it wasn't just him. I mean, David Andrews was getting beat up in the middle. He was going against a tough player in, David, in, in Gerald McCoy. And Clinton McDonald had a nice game last night for Tampa Bay as well. But, you know, he's getting beat up. You know, Joe Tooney got got, got beat up by McCoy all night. Marcus, the right side of the line wasn't too bad. Shaq Mason was okay. Marcus Cannon got beat, I think, for a sack. But, you know, the line as a whole, I mean, Dante Skarniecki is back in, 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 in his role as the offensive line coach this season, I mean, you know, if, if you talk about the way the secondary has regressed, the offensive line has also really, really regressed. Really, really regressed. And I don't know why that is. Like, I, I, I don't understand why they're not playing at the same level that, that, as they did last year. They played at a very high level last year. A very high level. I mean, this is, I've said it a million times, I'll say it again now. The continuity of the offensive line last year and the consistency they showed was one of the key, if not the key reason the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year. That they had the long playoff run that they did. And, you know, they've already missed a couple of games. Marcus Cannon missed a game uh, after the New Orleans, I think they missed the Houston game or whatever. But... I mean, the, the, the line, I just don't get it, guys. Like, it's the same cast. It's the same folks. You know, they went through the same training camp this year that they did last year. But they're, in pass protection especially, they literally cannot keep guys out of the backfield. I mean, it seems like Brady is, is, is under pressure on every single snap. Every single snap. And you think about what he's doing. You think about what Brady's doing. I mean, Brady went 30 of 40 last night. 30 of 40, crossed the 100-yard marker, the 100-yard, the 300-yard marker again. Did throw an interception, and that, by the way, was not on the offensive line. That was on Brady. That wasn't a good throw. He had a wide-open receiver and just overthrew him. 
That was definitely on Brady. I won't put the interception on anybody besides him. But that was really only his bad throw of the night. He had maybe one other who tried to, tried to dump it off and almost threw another pick. But other than that, that was probably his only bad throw of the night was that interception. So, you know, if take the what, what, you know, what kind of pressure he's been under and look at the numbers that he's putting up at age 40. I mean, this is Tom Brady at his absolute best. At his absolute best. It's unbelievable, quite frankly, what he's been able to do. Not only at his age, but with the kind of pressure he has faced every single week. I mean, Tampa Bay was all over him last night. Even when they didn't get to him, you know, they made him leave the pocket. They made him step up. They made him do a lot of different things to keep him uncomfortable. They were all over the backfield last night. The offensive line cannot protect him right now. They did a little better in the running game. I mean, there were some good runs. Mike Gillisley had a couple good ones. Uh, Deion Lewis had a couple good ones. I know they had at least one really good run called back on a holding penalty by Solder. But, you know, it, yeah, the, the, the offensive line, it, it's not it's not good. Again, you want to criticize the secondary, and I have, and I'll continue to do it, although they were certainly better last night. Uh, but if you want to criticize the secondary, you've also got to criticize the offensive line. I mean, the, the Patriots' offense has been humming along. It was not great last night, and I'll get to that in a second. But it's been humming along primarily because their quarterback is Tom Brady. He's been the difference. Now, as good as Brady has been, and he's been great, and he was great again last night, you do have to say the offense did one thing very poorly, and that was executing the red zone finishing off drives. Um, it seemed like they were able to move the ball pretty well on this defense. And remember, they did have five scoring drives in the game. I mean, one came at the end where they just kind of went, you know, they were given gifted really good field position by the onside kick, moved it a few yards and got Guskowski's 48-yard field goal. But, you know, other than that, they had four scoring drives. Not bad. You know, the Patriots can certainly get more. Not bad. The problem was that three of them ended in field goals. And only one ended in a touchdown. And the one that ended, in, you know, the drive that ended in a touchdown was a really good drive. They were humming. And that it came right, it, that drive came right after Tampa Bay scored their, their first touchdown of the game. Uh, and actually went in front for a second, 7-3. So it was a nice kind of bounce back drive for the offense. And after that happened, I said, oh, here they go. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. But they couldn't finish drives off. They, they, they stalled pretty much every time they got inside the 10-yard line or the 20-yard line. Now, part of that, you can certainly say part of that has to do with not having Rob Gronkowski. And he did not play the game last night, if you didn't see it. They kept him out with a thigh injury. Um, again, Gronk is, is a tremendous weapon. You'd much rather have him in the lineup than out of the lineup, but I think it's certainly fair to wonder now with him, is the guy going to be injury-prone for the rest of his career? I mean, he's just he just gets banged up week after week after week. He's always going to miss games for you. Uh, but, you know, presumably, I mean, he made the trip to Tampa, so presumably he tried to test it out and decided he couldn't do it. Um, so presumably he's going to be okay. Uh, maybe even, you know, give him 
10 days, so probably he'll probably be back on the field against the Jets uh, next Sunday. But so without Gronk, without Gronk, who who is certainly their biggest red zone threat, and, and the guy who you you want out there doing, you know, you want him out there just because of what he brings to your offense, especially down there, he's a big target. Uh, but with you know, it, it's harder without him. Don't get me wrong. But again, I mean, you got to be able to finish these drives. You got to do better than what the Patriots showed. And part of it was bad protection again. Brady was forced to, to scramble again. Part of it was bad play calling. I mean, I just praise the coaching, uh, the, the, the overall game plans, and I'll continue to. I thought McDaniel's overall game plan was a good one. Uh, I did not love some of his calls over the entire course of the game, but especially in the red zone. They ran one play right before a field. I think it was in the first half. They, they ran one play where it looked like Brady only had one option. He wanted Amendola in the middle of the field on third and goal, which was basically, I mean, there were three linebackers standing there, but it didn't even look like he had any other options. I mean, it looked like his other wide receivers were just trying to take other other defensive backs away from the play. They weren't, they weren't running any serious routes. I mean, it, it looked like they had Amendola, and that was going to be it. But, uh, so, I, you know, you, you can question some of these play calls. They, they ran a couple play, on second and goal. They would give the ball off. I, I think they had one first and goal from the eight. They ran for two, and then they ran again from one for one. And I'm like, guys, your quarterback's Tom Brady. Give him the ball. Let him try to do something. But, you know, not finishing drives in the red zone is not something I would expect the Patriots to continue doing, you know, I just just call this an off game again on a short week. I, I'm not gonna, like I said, I, I, I it, it did not go well in the red zone last night, and that is a problem. That is certainly a problem, but it is a problem that I'm a lot more confident in fixing than some of the other ones that have been plaguing this team. So, I, I think they'll bounce back, especially when they get Gronk back. Not having Edelman hurts them too, obviously. I mean, their best route runner down there. That obviously hurts them too. But they finished drives in the red zone this season. I think they'll keep doing it. I'm not too worried about that. So you want to give out some game balls? I'll give out some game balls. You got to give one to Steve Guskowski, first and foremost. I mean, I know he's his job is to make kicks, and he basically just did his job. But he did his job, and the other kicker didn't. It, it was tough to watch Nick Folk, quite frankly. Kind of felt bad for him uh, after a little while. And, and you know... It's not like Nick Folk is a bad NFL kicker. I mean, he's had a lot of success in the NFL. He was a good kicker for the Jets for a lot of years. Uh, and for the Cowboys, I think, before that. I, the, the guy just, he's shook, obviously. I mean, he's, he, he missed a couple field goals, and he missed a 31-yarder. He's shook. And unfortunately, he's probably going to be looking for a job after this week. You feel bad for him, but the fact remains, Kaskowski did his job, Folk didn't. And that ends up that really ends up being the difference in the game. If a couple of those full kicks go through, we're talking about a completely different ball game here. So give kudos to Gaskowski for making the most of his opportunities. If you haven't been paying attention, he's been rock solid this season. Rock solid. I think he missed an extra point. Did he miss an extra point against the Chiefs? He might have. I, I don't know. But other than that, rock solid. I don't think he's missed a field goal all season. So kudos to him. Patrick Chung, I thought, played a terrific game. A 
terrific game. He was often on a tight end, a bigger tight end in coverage. That's where he can be really, really good. He's been really, really good doing that before, and, and the game plan was to let him follow uh, Cameron Brate uh, or O.J. Howard across the field and let you know let Devin McCourty kind of play center field and be instinctive. I thought he played a really good game. Uh, he, he, I think, was, was, was in coverage on the touchdown to Brate late. But that was a pretty good throw by Winston. And the coverage wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. It was a pretty good throw and a pretty good catch. Just kind of put it in an area where you, you, you kind of have to tip your hat on that one. So I thought Chung played a pretty good game. Best game of the year that I've seen him play. Give him an awful lot of credit. Uh, give Danny Amendola a ton of credit. Uh, I, Danny Amendola, quite frankly, has been the – aside from Brady – Danny Amendola has been the Patriots' best offensive player this season. Chris Hogan had a good game yesterday, too, and caught the touchdown. He had a good game. Don't get me wrong. I thought Amendola was great. Uh, he's become the guy. I mean, he's clearly become the Julian Edelman, but he's always been a guy that Brady trusts. Always. He's just never seemed to be able to stay on the field long enough, long enough for him. And you can see how much Brady trusts him now. I mean, he, he throws some balls. Like, I think that they had a third and four or five play yesterday where they got Amendola matched on either a safety or a linebacker. I can't remember which one, but they got him matched on a safety or a linebacker and ran a three-yard out route, and Brady put it on Amendola, trusting that he was going to make that guy miss and just beat him to the line, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, that's vintage Brady and Edelman, and he's running it with Amendola, and, and it takes a level of trust to be able to do that. One, to be able to call that play, to say, you know, is going to run a three-yard route on third and five, but we think he's going to, you know, be able to beat his man. And, you know, two, to throw it for Brady to, to, to put it on him like that. It's not an easy throw to throw an out route like that. And three, for Amendola to actually make the play. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of work. And it's very clear that Brady and Amendola have a good rapport right now. A really, really nice game for Danny Amendola last night, I thought, and one that the Patriots needed because, you know, they didn't have, I mean, they didn't have Gronk, uh, they, they haven't had Edelman all season, and they weren't putting up the kind of drives and the cut type of points they normally put up, so the, the, the ball possession and the catches that Amendola made were huge for this team, huge yesterday. Big game ball to Danny, Danny Amendola. Uh, I thought Ryan Allen punted well last yesterday. A nice game. If we're gonna give if we're gonna go all special teams, Ryan Allen had a nice day punting the ball. Some big kicks, a good pooch punt, which the Patriots downed inside their four or something like that. Uh, late in the game. Unfortunately that ended up being a touchdown drive because the defense did what the defense does and gave up some big plays and took some dumb penalties. You know it wasn't a. It was not a magical performance by the defense last night. It was a better one, but it certainly wasn't a clean one. Speaking of special teams, nice to see Matthew Slater back last night. Uh, and, and you know about that pooch punt, he was the guy who downed it uh, inside the inside the four on the you know the, the the five on the four yard line for the Patriots on that punt. Nice to see him back. Uh, special teams, which. It hasn't been bad for the Patriots all season. Well, now they get their captain back, so uh, they, they, they'll, they'll get a little bit more mojo, get their leader going. 
Nice to see him back yesterday. At the end of the day, like I said, a, a win is a win is a win. They won the game. I, I don't. There, there, there are plenty of things to criticize. Plenty of things that you can do better. Do not get me wrong. There's a lot that did not go right last night. It was an ugly football game pretty much all the way through. 12 penalties is very simply un unacceptable. Just completely unacceptable. you got to clean that up. The two pass interference penalties and the offside on Bolden were beyond unacceptable. They were grotesque. I, I don't want anybody to get that twisted. I, I don't think this team is there yet. I don't think they played a perfect football game last night. I don't even think they played a great football game or even a good one. But they did enough to win. They did enough to win. And the Patriots needed a win last night. Coming off a very near loss against Houston, except for a Brady miracle, and an actual loss against the team they should have beaten in Carolina. They needed a win yesterday, and they got one. On a short week, in a tough environment, on the road, they got to win. So, you know, you want to take away from that? You want to, you know, nothing, you know, I saw something on Twitter last night. No positives to take from this game. Yeah, there is. There's a win in the win column. That's the positive you can take from it. They're three and two. That's a whole heck of a lot better than being two and three. Whole heck of a lot better than being two and three. You know, you can focus on the Jets now for two, for 10 days. You know, and before you go, before you go thinking, well, that's an easy win. You know, they'll be four and two real quick. The Patriots never play well there. They, they don't. They, it, you know, they never seem to play well in New York. And I don't care. I mean, even last year, the Jets did not have a good team last year. And the Patriots went into New York late in the season when they were actually humming along pretty well. They didn't play well there. And it seems like the Jets always give them a good game in New York or in New England. I mean, it, it just it never seems like the Patriots pull away from the Jets like, like people expect that they should. So, But now you got 10 days to prepare for that game. You can feel good. You can go home. You can get extra rest. Uh, you can go into it with a lot of with, with some momentum now that they won. Uh, so, look, a win is a win is a win, and in this league, you take what you can get. They're 3-2. and two. Ten days off. You don't have to worry about football this weekend. Uh, you can go do whatever it else is, whatever else it is that you do on Sunday if you want. Uh, so enjoy this one and uh, come back again in ten days, and that'll be the next one, week six for the Pats. So, like I said, a jam-packed show, and a, to, to cap off a jam-packed week. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get more into the Bruins; just didn't have time today. Uh, we will certainly get more into them next week uh, as as the schedule continues. Uh, we'll get more into the Celtics, who have started preseason play as well. At, at some point here, before the Celtics begin their season, we'll do a full Celtics preview uh, and, and break down the season for them. We will continue to uh, watch the Red Sox, obviously, game two this afternoon. Down one nothing in the series, but uh, 2.30 this afternoon against Houston. On Monday... Hopefully, we do not have the end of the series to talk about. Uh, hopefully, we're talking about a game four because the Patriots need to get to a game. Or the Patriots, the Red Sox need to get to a game four now. Uh, and hopefully, so hopefully, we're talking about a game four on Monday in Fenway, and uh, we can talk about what is what it has gone on over the weekend. 
so we'll do that. That'll be most of Monday's show. Next week, a lot more, though. A lot more uh, uh, Bruins talk. A lot more Celtics talk. Uh, a lot of Red Sox talk, obviously. Either we'll be done with the series or we will have a, a, maybe another series to talk about. Uh, so we got another busy week, but this has been a very busy week. Probably the busiest week we've done so far on the podcast. Thanks so much for everybody for, tu- to tu- for tuning in. Remember, you can listen to us on Anchor. Uh, if you got the Anchor app, you can listen to us live as we do the show in the morning. Uh, or uh, we set up episodes on Anchor every day, or at least we try to. Uh, they're published as podcasts to iTunes or Google Play. Wherever you get your podcasts, you should be able to get us. Uh, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening so far. Have a great weekend. Should be a really nice one in the New England area and in the Philadelphia area where I am. This has been the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast, capping off a really busy week. We'll see you again on Monday, everybody.